Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Team Podcast. Today we have a special episode. We're rejoined by our guest contributor, Mr. Robert Schultz. How you doing, Rob? Man, I'm doing good. It's good to be back. How you doing, man? Man, great, man. I'm glad you were able to come and hang out with us today on the Team Podcast. We've been uh, missing your presence for sure. Um, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. I think we got some a good show that it's near and dear. So it talks about something that's near and dear to our hearts, hip hop, uh, yep, but definitely. in a in a more of a foundational way, in a sense. So today we're going to talk about the Get Down. The Get Down is a a series that just premiered on Netflix about a week ago, and uh, it pretty much chronicles 1977, the Bronx, kind of like all the events that happen around there, politics, um, social issues, culture, and how it all fused together around disco and hip hop to, you know, birth hip hop in a sense, and also kind of fan the flames of disco. So yeah, man, Rob, what do you think so far, man? I know, I know you finished the show last week. What did you, what did you think? Yeah, I knocked it out in like two days. I love it, man. Overall. Yeah. And it, it caught me off guard, man. I, I didn't even find out about it until like a week before they dropped it, you know, where it was like something like straight out of Compton, you know, the movie. I, I was waiting a year for that thing to come out, you know, but this was like, whoa, okay, great, you know, so yeah, but yeah, it's, I think it's good stuff, man. Yeah, I was the same way. Like, I had been seeing like the advertisements and then for me, I think personally, the way that the illustration and the graphics, it looked kind of weird. It didn't really tell you the true story of what that show, what the show was going to be about. So, I wasn't really excited about it. I, I saw, uh, this could be kind of weird. I don't know. And yeah. I started seeing all the advertisements like about a week or so up to it. And I've been hearing about it, but I wasn't excited about it at all. And then someone said, just watch it and see what happens, see what comes from it. Cause everybody was on the, you know, the stranger things kick. You know, everyone was talking about, yeah. you know, the eighties kind of nostalgia vibe from that show. And I started watching that as well, but I just, I'm going to go back and watch it, but I just was not as enthralled in it as I thought I would be. So I said, let me just try to get down, see if I get hooked onto this. And after the first episode, man, I was, I was locked and loaded, man. I knocked it out on the weekend just like you did. And, um, I was just kind of inspired in a sense, you know, to kind of dig deeper into the, 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 I guess the, the history of hip hop in a sense is to understand the, the real, real, you know, backbone behind it and how it kind of formed from just parties and mixing and scratching and just the whole, I mean, we're going to talk about this more in depth during this whole episode, but it's just so much to unpack there and to kind of look at the current state of hip hop, which is so funny. It's, it's, it's amazing. Everything grows, everything, you know, transforms into something different, evolves into something different, but yeah. Man, if you watch that show and you watch what you listen to now with the, you know, the young thugs and designer yeah. and, yeah. um, I don't know who like else two, is hot. <laughs> two, two different art forms. If, it is. If, if you want to call what's out today an art form, but yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm having a hard time with that too. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. So yeah. So, um, how do we want to start this off, Rob? We, we talked about we introduced to get down. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about the, the, I guess the players in the show, you know. Yeah, yeah. First off, you want to start off with Baz, Baz Lerman, who's the director and kind of the, the visionary for the show. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and I wasn't that familiar. I'm not familiar with his name, but I know his, you know, some of his work. I guess Moulin Rouge. I think he did. He he was he had something to do with Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, he directed yeah, directed, directed Romeo and Juliet. That. I can't recall if he wrote it as well. I mean, not, I mean, not wrote Romeo and Juliet, but wrote the, the treatment for the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the Great Gatsby. It came out a couple years ago. So yeah, so he's a very prolific filmmaker, but. Yeah, you know, and I and I, I've kind of gone back and read about him and his his uh, process. You know, I guess he he'd been kind of playing around with the idea of this show for like ten years, and yeah, uh, I, I think I think he's done an awesome job, man. I I give him props, um, especially uh, a guy. And I don't know if he's middle, you know, what, how old he is, but I don't know. I don't think he grew up on hip hop like say we did. You know, he's from Australia, I think. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's, he's really, he's been very respectful. I think he, he's, the smart thing he's done is he's pulled in, and we, we might get into this more a little later, but I, I do want to say the, the thing that he's really done great is pulled in other guys to kind of advise and, and really add that artistic element, you know, and the historical element. And that, I think the mistake that, that people have made in the past that have made this type, you know, a movie, is that they just kind of they do it based on their own opinion or, or how they think it was or how it, it should have been, you know, as a and, and so he he pulls in Grandmaster Flash and you know Cool Herc and guys like that that were really there and lets them kind of really infuse their knowledge and their their memory of what happened. And so that that I think in itself is great, you know. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That's that was the essence and the core and they had those voices kind of guiding the show and giving the show his blessing. You know, that, that's big too, yeah. man. Cause you see a lot of movies or pieces that are done and the, the subject matter don't give their blessings to the story. You know, like, Oh, this is not how I would, I would have done it or how it have, how it turned out. Um, yeah. so it's good to see that. And also Nas, I think is a producer on this as well. So yeah. having, you know, even though there are different eras, Nas is kind of not, new school but still he has a voice in today's generation to have his voice behind this as well kind of adds more credibility to it yeah so no i i was just so impressed by you know boz Lerman. I, I really i remember romeo and juliet i didn't never got into it that wasn't in the moulin rouge i seen it before i didn't wasn't particularly crazy about it he yeah. did australia the movie with um hugh jackman and nicole kidman that okay. was more of an epic kind of movie um, mm-hmm. but Greg Grasby really caught my eye, excuse me, to like the visionary stylings that he's like, can just really go grandiose and loud, but then at the same time kind of classy and it's, it's unique. And yeah. I loved how he incorporate modern music into the Greg Gatsby. And the same thing he did with Romeo and Juliet. Um, I remember that as well. The soundtrack was very influential in that era. So the yeah. fact that he respects music, he values the, the importance of a soundtrack, which is kind of forgotten these days with movies or shows and things of that nature. To yeah. see that he was able to curate that at the same time as put, you know, help guide this kind of transformative ride back to the seventies. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan now. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the show in itself, you know, it, it follows, it's got a lot of different story arcs in the in the show but you know you have the main story is around uh ezekiel uh figueroa he was a young kind of orphan who's kind of 
been taken in by his aunt and his uncle, who's kind of trying to find his way in life as most young teenagers are. Um, has a tremendous gift with words and poetry and smart, very smart. And his, his, his friend, his love interest is, uh, Mylene. I think Mylene Cruz. Yep. And she's just a, a singer, a young girl, a preacher's daughter who's trying so desperately to get out of his, his, her father's grips to be a singer in the disco era. And mm-hmm. her dreams are bigger than she feels like her neighborhood and friends can contain. Yeah. So she's trying to find a way out. Yep. And then with them, to those two characters, you have the, the supporting story. You have the father, um, the, the preacher, Giancarlo Esposito, who, um, tremendous actor who plays her father. Her uncle is a, a neighborhood kind of, um, I don't know what you want to call him. More of a, I want to say like Jesse Jackson in my, he reminds me of Jesse Jackson in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's trying to do good for the community, but he also has some crooked ways of doing it potentially. Um, that's played by Jimmy Smith's, um, famous yep. Latino actor. Yep. Uh, and then you got Shamik Smith, who, um, just recently starred in Juice. His character, Shaolin, fantastic, who's a, a also orphan. Juice? You mean dope? Yeah. Dope okay. juice. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> dope. <laughs> Uh, good, good catch. So he's yeah. in, uh, dope. Um, he plays Shaolin Fantastic, who's an orphan, who's street smart and really trying to find his way as well, but in a different way. Yeah. And then you got the crew, who's the, um, the Kipling brothers, who was played by, you know, Jaden Smith, who plays Dizzy. Uh, yeah. I think you got Boo Boo. Is the Boo Boo is the young kid's name? The youngest yeah. brother and Ra Ra. Yeah. Um, and they make up the crew. So it, it's just cool, man. It's got a nice, nice flavor to it. Um, you got a lot of cool characters who intersect in the show. Yeah. Um, but those are the main characters. And so with that, you kind of see this transformation of, you know, each one of these kids kind of pursuing their dreams and oh. finding their way in 1977, the summer, uh, you know, in the Bronx with, Again, the political ramifications of just, you know, disparity in, in, in the, um, the city. Um, I think there's a big, big blackout in the city as well. And how that, that story in itself, Rob, if you want to talk about that kind of how yeah. before people couldn't attain DJ equipment, turntables. And then after the blackout, after robbing and stealing, a yeah. lot of people gained access who, probably were influ- influential in the culture in itself, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, and that that really did happen. I mean, I've, I've read books about that, and people, you know, swear that that, that did happen. And that, that blackout probably did keep hip-hop alive, you know, you could say, you know, because you just had a half a dozen crews, they say, before and then afterwards, there were just crews all over the place, you know, like everybody had a system. Because that's, you had to have your own equipment in order to be in the game, you know, you had, yeah, you got to have your two turntables, your mixer, and you had to have a good sound system, you know, and, and you had to have a record collection. You had that, you know, and you were in, you know, but yeah. No, that was awesome. I mean, I, I loved how that was a critical moment in hip hop and how it kind of rose from the concrete, if you will. And yeah. I loved how this show Twinkle, I mean, sprinkle that into key moments of the show, like stories like that, the, the blackout. Um, yep. even, even the whole thing with disco and how, you know, how that was the, the predominant sound and how people looked at hip hop like, Oh, I don't want to hear that. But 
mm-hmm. underground, people were gathering around this culture and like almost trying to like help it break out. And to see all this in the show, it's, it's so cool. And for me, yeah, you know, me and you've been friends for a long time and you've always been very passionate about this aspect of hip hop culture. Whereas me, I came into hip hop around like 88, 89. So I kind of, that's where my starting point was. Kumo D, LL Cool J, Run DMC, Big Daddy Kane. And from there, I continued on. And every now and again, I would go back to mid 80s. The early Run DMCs, the Woudinis, things like that. But I would never go past like 83. That's where I stopped. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was no man's land for no you. No man's land. Like, I, I, I don't so want to hear about that stuff. I get it. I get it. But for me, I like the far as I go was like 83. This show has made me a true hip hop fan as to where now I want to dig deeper. I want to go further. I want to understand the cool Hercs, the Grandmaster Flashes, the crews, the how, how the history, if you look at how history has changed, how the DJ was more important than the MC in a sense. The DJ was the linchpin. The DJ was the guy who Conducted the crowd, who said who who spits what lines when and makes the final decisions, and to yeah. see how hip hop throughout the years, throughout the eighties, really, the DJ got pushed to the back, yeah, to where it was more like, what's his role? He must make the music, because now it's like, what's the point of having a DJ? You can just hire a DJ for your shows on the road, but there's no mm-hmm. need to have a DJ in your crew. Now you look at it now, I don't think anybody can name someone's DJ. No, I mean I. I mean, I don't think anybody, I mean, they have a DJ that goes on tour with them, yeah. plays at concerts, but, or, or a music show or something like that, a war ceremony, but there's no DJ like, like, like Maceo and De La Soul. Like, even though now he's still, it's kind of like, what's his role? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ali Shahid Muhammad, you're like, well, he was a part of the Uma, you know, him and Q-Tip made beats. So that makes sense. Okay. He's got to have a spot there, but. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. interesting to me how in this in this show, the DJ was the main guy, and now you look at it now, and it's totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and in a way, the DJ's kind of been replaced by the producer. Okay. Because you know, the DJ, the DJ was the producer. He was, you know, supplying the beat. He just so happened to be doing it in real time with with you know spinning the records and mixing. Yeah. Yeah, so now it's the producer. But yeah. And, and what what the reason why the DJ got left behind is when Sugar Hill Gang, when they first came out with Rappers Delight, Sugar Hill Records said, Okay, yeah, we're gonna use Good Times by was it Chick? Chic? Chic, yeah. Chic Chic. But we don't we're not gonna mess around with records. We got a we got a band full of um, musicians. We're gonna have them replay the beat to Good oh, Times. Oh wow. And then everybody kind of jumped on that bandwagon. Yeah, we let's make rap records. We, and then we got to get a band. And so you, for the first like three or four years of hip hop, like, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the song, That's the Joint. Yeah. Out of only four plus one. That's, that's a memorable hook from a song. I don't remember what song it is from the seventies, but it's being replayed by a band, you know, and it's just over and over again, you have examples like that. And it really wasn't until 83 when Run DMC came out with Jam Master J. And they really, they kind of, they weren't a part of the, the original, you know, generation from the 70s. I think they were more observers. Yeah. And they kind of got in more in the early 80s. But they, they resisted what the, the record companies had turned it into. 
and they they really kind of took it back to the essence in a lot of ways and you know they had the dj and then the fat boys they had they had a dj and you know and you got eric b and rakim and you know you start to have djs come back in the 80s but the, by that point the mc was already you know the guy on top you know That's crazy. So you, you had djs in the mix now but he's he's in the background or he's the sidekick and then you know and then at the same time you had producers start to to come to the forefront in the 80s with your uh rick rubens and um marley mar and those kind of guys larry smith, larry smith. Larry smith. <laughs> yeah it's uh the guy that salt and pepper and and i love book yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so then yeah and then by and then dr dre and you know, you can kind of trace it into the nineties. So by the nineties, it was, it was the producer. Well, and then the DJ kind of had a resurgence in the nineties. I don't know. I don't know if you remember like DJ clue, DJ shadow and Graham. Oh, was true. it flex? What's the guy? Fun master flex. Master flex. Yeah. So you had Capri. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the nineties, you kind of had a little bit of a resurgence, but it was different though. It wasn't the same. Right? It was more like mixtapes. Like, like mixing yeah. who can get the most people on the record and I guess I mean I guess similar but I mean but the look in this show and how crucial critical that DJ role is like people want to be a DJ before they want to be the wordsmith like if you can be the DJ and mixing and you know having parties and having your crew you had respect in neighborhoods you had it was just a powerful powerful kind of podium to be in um yeah. so the show in itself um the other part that really caught my eye was like the the videography the, the cinema, cinematography like the the way they shot this and some of the the camera lenses and stuff that made it look like it was really 1977 like mm-hmm. in the every show the, every show title would come in on a subway in graffiti yeah, like yeah was, I, I, that's a good touch yeah, oh cool. man it was awesome man like yeah. they, they i mean this vaz lerman and I mean, who, he had some other people on the show. Sean Levy, is it Sean Levy? Sean Ryan, I'm sorry, who was the creator of The Shield. He had a role in this show also. Yeah, I think he directed a couple of the episodes. So yeah. he had a couple other people there in the background, kind of, you know, guiding the show as well. But I yeah. was just in awe of that. You know, like I said, I've, since Greg Gatsby, I've just been really fascinated by how Boz Lerman can, his visual stylings and how he tries to capture eras in a sense. So now you look at the cost of the show and what they're saying, the show's yeah. cost is like over $120 million to make. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's like, like a record for Netflix. And I'm still, yeah. I mean, I'm, I love Netflix. I'm a big fan of their business model. And but I'm just trying to understand more about how they make money. I mean, you know, you got subscriptions, but to validate yeah. $120 million for a show, how are they making it back without advertisements or? Yeah. It's interesting. Oh, They're making yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they are, man. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. But uh, kudos to them for investing in this project, you know, and and believing in it to that degree. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. the the reception to the show hasn't been. I mean, it's been mixed. I, yeah. I've read a lot of negative reviews. I've read, you know, and it's I've noticed this too. Typically stuff I like, there's a lot of negative reviews to it. So I take it with a grain of salt. Some of the people yeah. just get paid to be just sour and just like, you know, looking at, you can always look at a, 
at something with two different lenses, one from a negative and trying to find some positive or one from a positive and maybe seeing a couple of negatives in there. And it seems like a lot of critics look at it from the negative lens and they may throw in a couple positive. Oh, they, they did do this right. Well, they did do this right. But overall, it was a pretty waste of time. I want my life back kind of stuff. And I, I totally disagree with that. I think this show, I, when I finished the show, you know, again, it took up a lot of time during my weekend to watch. I didn't leave feeling disappointed. I wanted to see more and I wanted to watch it again. And that's a key sign because typically when I watch something, I don't want to watch it again. Like, okay, I've seen it once. That's enough. I don't need to go back here. I wanted to go back and experience what I saw again because it was such a fun ride, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've actually been thinking about that too. Like, because I normally don't do that either. I'm like, huh, I think I might go back and watch the six episodes again before they release the next, the next batch, you know? So yeah, yeah, you know they they're called critics. They're not they're not called praisers. They're not reviewers. They're critics. They're critical. You know that's their job. It's true. I think they I think they tend to take themselves a little too seriously. Yeah. And um. So yeah, I've I've just like you, I've kind of read these reviews with a grain of salt. And um. Yeah. No no movie or show is ever going to be perfect. Yeah, you can nitpick and you know say this or that. It, isn't perfect or not isn't isn't the best but overall man I, like you said it's a great ride i think that's a, a, a good way to uh describe it I, I i might try to show this to my mom see if i can get my mom or maybe my wife anitra into it uh just somebody who's not a hip-hop fan and just see when it comes to just the, the sheer entertainment you know yeah. do they, can they get into it and you know and, and follow it and and, and then appreciate the hip-hop part of it too because it's a good show. So I think that'll be a good test. Because yeah. I, I don't know how many of these critics really appreciate and respect the essence of hip-hop. You know, yeah. so if they come in saying hip-hop, thinking to themselves, hip-hop is, is garbage, well, yeah, you know, then they're going to, it's going to be harder for them to really appreciate or even, the show. Or even like I was listening to one guy talk, um, I forget his name, it was a podcast I was listening to, and he was a critic, and he was was saying like he came from more like a musical, you know, any genre of music. You got hip hop and country, you know, like it was more like a generalized kind of okay. cri- critique. Okay. And I, you, I feel like you got to have that core of wanting to know more or really appreciating hip hop for what it is. And like I said, I never wanted to go back and do that research. I never was interested in knowing about the seventies, late seventies, the Cool Herc's, the Grandmaster Flashes, and different crews and whatnot, but seeing it visually and seeing the energy behind it and like how these kids were just like, you know, they were trying to have a voice. They wanted to be heard. They were trying to have fun and mix these almost like gumbo in a sense, mixing these pieces together to come up with this thing. And it was fun and it was energy there. And I was like, man, I I miss that. Now I wish hip hop had that right now. In my opinion, hip hop is very dark um, very sexualized, very almost negative. It's just nothing good can come from this. Like it, it, it just seems like it's on a downward spiral. And you don't want to be the guy who's like, "Oh, this music is bad. It's ruining generations." But when you see that, I'm, I'm I'm basing this all off of energy. When you look at the energy from like the '80s, yeah. late '70s, it was fun. It was unifying. Yeah, there was fights. Yeah, there was shootings. Yeah, there was, you know. Dis- disagreements and verbal jousting on the mic, but it was still good nature and they had a positive energy to it. 
Yeah. Now I don't get that while I listen to the radio, and it's a shame, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I, I agree. So this new Daylight album is coming out uh, Friday. The Anonymous Nobody, and I have been like counting down. I'm a big Daylight fan, and yeah. for me, Daylight represents, even though they're like you know getting up there in age. They've been their timeless relic who just kind of like the old rock bands, you know, like the Bon Jovi's and, uh, I don't know, Rolling Stones, any of these older groups, Bruce Springsteen's who can just put out an album at 60 or 70 and people still make it number one. It's just, mm. it's something there. These guys get it and they just, they're constantly reinventing themselves. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. Um, so that comes out Friday, the 26th, uh-huh. if anybody's interested, but, uh, yeah, going back to the get down. Um, so <laughs> shameless plug there. <laughs> so, so what did what what you know? We talking about negative. Yeah. What did what didn't you like about the show? Let's 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 find some little negative critiques, if you will. The the main thing that it's like the the main sin, I guess, you will. That the, I think the show makes is this idea that. The main character, Ezekiel, you know, he starts out 77 in the Bronx, you know, underground hip hop scene. And then now fast forward 20 years later, 96, he's like this hip hop god selling out stadiums. And so he's like a Jay-Z or, you know, Nas is doing the voice. So you, you can't help but almost picture him as Nas. That never happened. There's no record of any figure. Unfortunately, it would have been cool if, if, if it did happen, but for several different reasons, it never happened. Nobody that started out in the underground scene in, this, in, this, in the late 70s was relevant in 96 selling out stadiums. There might have been some guys on the... Uh, what you would call it, like the reunion tours, you know. I remember I was gonna go to uh, in '98. I was gonna go to a reunion show in uh, Arizona when I was in college. Uh, Melly Mel, Big Daddy Kane, you know those guys. Houdini, they were there, and I, you know, and I didn't get to go, but I was really looking forward to it. But that was, you know, that wasn't that was nothing like what they're showing ezekiel to be you know like he's he's the man the way they're they're showing it and it has to do with the fact that early on the record companies they saw hip-hop as a fad and they just like with with early rock and roll and doo-wop you just go you know go back they 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 took advantage of these artists and so the artists you know, your Grandmaster Flashes and Sugar Hill Gang, those guys, they didn't walk, they're, they're, they weren't millionaires like the artists are today. You know, the, now it's, it's more of a business and things have gotten straightened out, you know, I think to, to a degree to where the artists, they get, the, they get a good chunk of money. Back then, that didn't happen. So, um, and then also hip-hop, it evolved so quickly like you were talking earlier about looking at it what how it was in the 70s like the way the show depicts it and look at what it is today well you can go step by step you know 83 run dmc comes out they totally changed the game 87 rakim comes out with this new rhyme style he changes the game then de la soul and tribe called quest 
you know, in, in 90, they, they flipped the script with the native tongue style and NWA bringing in gangster rap and, and then boom, 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 you know, yeah. and now yeah. here we are today. So by 96, we had, we had taken like eight giant steps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so anyone that was still rhyming like they would have been, you know, and, and the, his style has changed too. Cause he's rhyming like Nas, but yeah. <laughs> Nobody was able to do that. So that that is the only negative thing I really have about the show is that. Huh. Now, I'm able to say, hey, it's fantasy with with historical context and historical events and historical people in it. But but ultimately, it's fantasy. And so I'm able and that that's not going to stop me from watching the show. But that was the first thing that, that I really noticed that I was like, mm, no, I don't yeah, know about that. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, when you said that, because every time he would come on in the show, I was like, ah, I could do without this part. Can we fast forward this? Go back to the 70s. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I know why, I can see why they do it. You know, it, it and it's cool how they use it, you know, because it kind of tells a story and, and it ties it in together. It's a nice bookend to this, <laughs> to each episode. You know? yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really have much negative about it. I guess um, the first episode, even though this was one that Boz Lerman directed himself personally, it was a little chaotic at first. It was hard to get settled in to understand. And that's because I came in there with no expectations. I didn't know what I was yeah. watching. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. It wasn't to the end of that first episode. I was like, and that was like 90 minutes. You're like, holy mm-hmm. crap. Like I'm hooked. Like, yeah. and I talked to a couple of people who were like, when they were in the middle, like, I don't know if I want to finish this. And I was like, yeah, you got to keep going. Cause yeah. it takes a minute to get everything set up. And once you set up, you're good to go. And, uh, no, I, I've, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. And like I said, I can go back and watch it again. And to do that in this era of just the way we consume media, music, TV, movies, like just what's the next best thing? What's the next best thing? Next, next, next. Yeah. yeah. To be able to go backwards and say, Oh man, I want more of that. Even though I've had it, that says something yeah, to absolutely. me. And maybe yeah. that is Netflix's model. Maybe that's what they're going for. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, maybe uh, they're gonna make their money back. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I will be watching it again. I look forward to the second part. I guess they had to break it up because of, uh, like most shows, big undertakings. You got delays and over budget and just different reasoning why things aren't getting made. But they try to hurry up and get it on TV, so or on streaming, on streaming model. So they broke it up. So we got six episodes yeah. now, and I think it's gonna be another six. Yeah, I think coming so. up in the future in 2017. Yeah, and I know we were talking about this a little bit offline. Just you know, what what do you think the show is going to be? What's the legacy of it? Do you think it's going to be just one season and be done? You know, from what I've read so far, I, I was reading an interview with uh, Nelson George, who was one of like the advisors, supervisors, and if you never if you're not familiar with him, great author. He he was writing um, for like the Village Voice and Billboard magazine back in the late seventies, early eighties, and he was one of the first professional writers to to write stuff about hip hop and really kind of shed some light on it. So, yeah, I've always been a fan of his. He he was kind of almost acting like like a second season is not guaranteed, and that they don't even know what they would do for a second season yet. And he he hinted that. Maybe they jump into the 80s and maybe Shaolin and uh, Books or Ezekiel, maybe they're kind of like a Run DMC type of 
of group now. And I was like, whoa, I don't know about that. But I guess <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's up in the air. At least that's how he made it sound. He could just be trying to, you know, smoke screen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, even if it, even if this is all we get is the first season, or even if we don't, Hey, say 2017, they never dropped the next batch for whatever reason, just these six episodes, man, I think they could leave a footprint just in themselves because man, what I would love to see is, and you were kind of starting to hint at this earlier. I would love to see this inspire a reboot. I want to see, I want to see DJs start popping up again. I want to see them get crews together and, you know, not necessarily just be replicas of, of the, the original groups, you know, add, add your new, your, you know, a modern touch to it, but get back to the essence, you know, yeah, yeah, kind cool. of, you use the, the get down crew, you know, is your, uh, you know, is, you know, inspiration, man. Um, you know, and we live in a crazy time, you know, with, with, with what's going on with, you know, the, the police, you know, and, and just what, what's happening out there and things are kind of off balance. And then we got this presidential election, who knows what's going to happen with the new president. And, um, but then you look at what was going on in the Bronx and that was a messed up situation too, you know, yeah. and, and even then, you know, in the midst of all that, this beautiful art form came out of it where it was just like let's have a good time let's kind of forget about that you know and so hey man why not let, let's make hip-hop about that again you know and because like you said it's it's very negative you know and you kind of going back to tracing the steps you know some negative negative influence got in there like in the late 80s early 90s with your gangster rap and then also just the fact that it's a business you know it became more of a business than an art form it's an industry and the, the the negative stuff was selling and so it just got more and more negative you know and yeah man so i think it has the potential to to leave a legacy where it could really be responsible for a rebirth of the the, the true essence of hip-hop man and i would love to see that so right here right now you and me we need to start a crew <laughs> Now, I don't know if I had the energy to start a crew, but I definitely would enjoy, um, kind of like you said, a reboot, if you will, see young kids or young people just kind of taking the, the elements of the hip hop culture and what formed it and making it fresh, making it new, adding yeah. what's, what's popular now, what's current now and kind of adding that to that concept. Um, and I think, I think there's like, a, like it was like one long movie or a mini series, if you will. Um, so if they stop now at the six episodes, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be happy. And I think it's already made its mark, like you said, on mm -hmm. culture. And, uh, they give you more. I think all I want to see is six more episodes. If they, if they do, and that's why they didn't make messed up with the whole fast forward to 96 when Ezekiel was like a hip hop star. Cause like you see a lot of these shows now, um, especially like the American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Scream Queens, like every season they reboot it for like a different scenario, different landscape, different characters in a sense. Mm. Like I can see the get down kind of transforming from seventies to the eighties to late eighties to nineties, but like different characters, maybe some of the same cast members, but they're different people and yeah. it's showing like New York or a different region, like Atlanta in the nineties or 
Yeah. And it's kind of just morphing. It's, 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 it's this hip hop train ride, if you will. That yeah. could be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. So kind of like walk through those different steps of hip hop with the same characters again, even though that never really happens. Like then all, all of that never happened to one person per se, but you could just show it through those people. You know, it, it, yeah, that, that could be interesting. Is that kind of what you're saying? Not really. I mean, that would be cool too, but I'm thinking more like this would be like totally different people. Like this is not Ezekiel anymore. This is Robert Johnson. And this is, I don't know, somebody else. And like these are like young kids growing up in Boston or young kids growing up in Miami, Miami base, you know, just different yeah. movements, different areas and how these different subcultures of hip hop form from these different regions, maybe in different eras. You got crack cocaine, you got all this different Reaganomics and stuff in the 80s. And I don't know, that could be cool. But I know if they keep these same characters and keep progressing it, it's gonna get, it could get boring fast. <laughs> like, like, okay, Ezekiel loves Marlene. Marlene loves Ezekiel. Now what? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. So it, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but overall though, I think I've been, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm a fan. I will definitely recommend this to friends and family, listeners to the podcast. If you got some time to burn and you want to, a nice fun way to kind of take help your mind escape. <laughs> Definitely uh check out this show. It's 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 worth it. Yeah, absolutely, man. And even if you're not a fan of hip hop, just watch the first episode. You know, just get through the first episode. It's a good show. See if you like it. So Rob, um as always, thanks for joining us on the podcast, man. We really appreciate your wise insight on the hip hop culture. <laughs> <laughs> And anytime, man. It's good to be back. Yeah, man. We got to do this more often. Um, and our listeners out there, when you're listening on your iPhone, your computer, your streaming device, um, thank you for taking the time out to listen to the team podcast. And until next time, take care. And we'll be talking with you soon. Peace. Peace.